A mighty feast of hot steaming music brought to you in stereo by bostonfreeradio.com. Boston Free Radio has no corporate agenda. We're independent media for the people. Your music, your voice, your station. What's good, y'all? The indefinable Sterling Golden is in the building. This is the Chop Session, held down by 320 Entertainment. We thank y'all once again for locking in for this award-winning series here on Boston Free Radio. 60 minutes of thought-provoking, intimate conversation with the names you need to know now. In case you sleep on an episode of The Chop Session or you happen to lock in late for a premiere here on Boston Free Radio, say less, we got you. You can stream episodes from seasons one through four on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other fine digital streaming platforms. So y'all, we're finally at this point. We are at our season four finale here on The Chop Session. We thank y'all for that support all season long as you've checked out every fabulous guest we've had. And of course, all those episodes are available now on DSPs. But now we have one more for y'all for this season. We have for you a designer and supermodel extraordinaire in the studio this week. She is Avadora Mimuni, and she's with us right now on a Monday evening to close out season four here on The Chop Session. Avadora, welcome to The Chop Session. Happy Monday evening. What's good? Hi, Sterling. Thank you for having me. Hey, we are honored to have you here this evening, Avador. This is going to be a dope conversation this week here on the Chop Session. Of course, you have a lot going on right now. You always have a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack this evening about Avadora Mimuni and all that you do out here and beyond because let's face it, what you do is a worldwide situation with fashion, with modeling, and so much more. But we'll get into it right now. Okay, now... For those of y'all who don't know the Avador Mimuni story, one aspect of that story goes back to the end of 2017 when she launched the Avador Mimuni collection. And y'all, she's been off to the races since. I got to ask you, Avadora, what does or where does your inspiration come from when you're working on a purse design or a collection? Well, our inspiration comes from where I was born in the Azor Islands. Um, it's a group of islands off the coast of Portugal, the Azores. And I was always surrounded by nature and yeah. beautiful things. And um, that's where it comes from. It's uh, nature inspired. It definitely is. You can see that in the pieces that Avador Mimoni has out there. It's evident when looking at the handbags, the purses that you do, you know, one of a kind stuff, you guys. It all began actually with a one-of-a-kind piece that Avadora created. This collection, in fact, began with one that you appeared with at an event, a one-of-a-kind purse of your design back in 2017. So can you talk about for us what inspired the design of this piece and what that creative process was like for you initially? Well, um, 
it it really depends on my mood that day and what insp- what's what's what I'm feeling. A lot of times that goes into the pieces. Um, we use uh, um, new vintage materials. We upcycle materials as much as possible, and um, yeah, that uh, that that's it's really what's in that day. The the emotion in my heart goes into into the items. Some are more sparkly. Some are less sparkly. Sparkly is a big thing for you. I know that. You know, yes. <laughs> and the emotion comes out in those pieces. It's almost like every piece reflects a different side of your mood. Correct. In a way. So tell us more about that. You know, like when, for example, say one comes out that reflects, you know, a cheerful mood. What can one expect from the look of a cheerful mood on one of a kind of person of Avadora Mimuni? Oh, a lot of butterflies and a lot of Swarovski crystals. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. If I'm more in a subdued mood or it's going to be something more simple, which is not my style, um, it's usually a little bit less, less embellished mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But I have, I have pieces that are completely covered in, in gorgeous Swarovskis. Let's also take it to the other side of that question. Let's say, for example, a darker mood, you know, more melancholy mood. Well, um, our handbags, they become a little bit more simple. Um, they're not as sparkly, I don't think. Um, it varies really. And if I'm really not in the best mood, I usually tend not to uh, work on the items as well because, because yeah, it's, I want my signature to be, um, there, you know, for the audience to see, which is the butterflies. Was there any reluctance at first when deciding to start your own collection? Was any what? Any reluctance? No, there was not a reluctance. It was more like, do I have the time for this? Because at the time I was modeling full time. I was in New York City and I was married. Um, it was, it, I had a lot to do. So mm. uh, launching a collection was um, definitely the last thing on my mind. It was a wonderful idea. I've always wanted to do something with the brand. Yeah. Um, and I went forward with it. And I'm glad I did. I think a lot of folks are, you know, when they pick up a one-of-a-kind Avador Mimoni, you know, purse or handbag, you know, they definitely can see the craftsmanship involved and they can see just how much passion and how much feeling goes into these pieces, you know, and they know that they've got something that only they have, you know, that no one else can claim as theirs, you know, which is what makes it very cool, you guys. These are one-of-one handmade creations we're talking about here from Avador Mamouni's collection. These are not mass-produced, you guys, okay? We'll have more later on in the broadcast about how you, in fact, can own your own personalized Avador Mamouni purse, you know, and have something that nobody else in your squad has, which is the ultimate flex, by the way. Okay, now, speaking of the flex of Avador Mamouni now, let's talk about the come-up of Avador Mamouni, okay? Let's talk about life growing up in Portugal and what made you make the move to the heart of New York City. Well, um, Portugal at the time was uh, was quite uh, an up and coming country. Um, you're talking about the seventies um, and eighties, and there was it, living in the islands. The opportunities for designers and and models was definitely not was not that available, considering that there was not a high demand for those things. So. Um, 
uh, my parents divorced and uh, my mom was an American citizen and she decided to bring her children to the United States of America. And that's how we ended up here. And then New York City comes into the story also. You know, we all know that, or not we all know, but those who are familiar with your story up to this point are familiar with the fact that you made that move, okay, and then your whole story changes from there, you know. Now, I would imagine moving to New York City initially must have been a pretty daunting new challenge for you, and it must have been overwhelming at first. Well, it it was and it still is for me because I never got accustomed to the city life. I'm not a city person. I I never... I, I love New York for the opportunities, but definitely not for, for to live there, um, although I had to. Um, I lived in New York City from the 90s to 2001, um, and as a model, I worked as a model, and, uh, and it, it, was, it was quite challenging because culturally it's such a huge distance between a small island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and such a metrop- metropolitan city full of millions of people, but also very um, eye-opening and, and very inspiring as well. Um, New York has a lot to offer. Certainly does. You know, I mean, I can go on forever about how long and storied the history of New York City culture is, from fashion to music and all forms of art. You know, so much originated from the streets of New York City, the clubs in New York City, you know, everything about New York City just inspires and is where people go to live their dreams. And that is where Avadora Mimoni went to start her dreams and get her story started, you know. Now, from there, you know, when you made the transition from modeling to designing bags, that kind of thing, you know, I want to know, you know, some of your best New York stories, you know, I mean, from the time of you modeling, things like that, the stuff that you have that you can share with us that's most memorable about your journey when first coming up in that city, before you made the transition to where you are today, you know, share with us if you can, a couple of your most memorable and most life-changing experiences as a model or as a designer in New York City. Well, it was quite interesting because of the fact of my age at the time when I returned back to New York in 2015, because I left Manhattan in 2001. And for 14 years, I stayed away from, you know, the the eye of the public, you know, as a model or as an actress. Um, and uh, it was quite Quite challenging, but yet rewarding because it's really how much effort you put into things um, and how much you want them to work. So in 2015, I um, returned back to New York, did some commercials, um, um, played a role in a short film called Blemish um, by Emilia Soaya, which is a producer from from Brazil. And... Um, yeah, and then landed some modeling, uh, modeling uh, jobs and... Then the covers started to surge, and uh, then we got featured in Bazaar and Vogue, and then the runways, and then I started to get asked again to do finales with international designers, and it was quite rewarding to see that modeling was not after 25, you have to hang up the coat. Um, you still have a lot of potential as a woman and as a model in the industry. Um, and I'm so glad that I was able to experience that change in the fashion world. I would imagine so. You, know, you get to see a lot of changes happen around you, you know, which is pretty fabulous, you know. And uh, we have a whole lot more to unpack here on the Chop Session about your experiences there and worldwide since that time, you know, because after all, you know, when you made that move, 
and I'm sure even you didn't see where it would take you because now since that time, you've gone from that small village to making that big jump to New York City to now having a career so far to date that has taken you onto magazine covers, it has taken you onto television, films, you know, and designing. And now your name is recognized out there amongst people in the fashion community as somebody who delivers something of quality. And a lot of people, a lot of curiosity surrounding your name, you know, surrounding your presence, that kind of thing, you know. So in case y'all don't realize, if you're just tuning in right now, this is The Chop Session. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. This is Boston Free Radio. We're here with Abadora Mimuni talking all things about her career, about her design work, her journey to date, and what's coming up beyond all that, okay? Now, in case you sleep on an episode of The Chop Session or you're locking late for a premiere on Boston Free Radio, say less, we got you. You can stream episodes from seasons one through four on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other fine digital streaming platforms. Okay, so Abidor Mamoni, we've talked a little bit about your come up so far in the industry. And now, another question I have for you, okay, is before you got into designing and modeling, were you interested in fashion? In actuality, I, I was, I was, I, I, of course, of course I was, um, because of the islands. Yeah, I was always very fashionable. That's for sure. And if it was not available, I, my mom used to make me, um, with dresses and, and, and whatever I wanted to wear. And I could go down to, to the store and pick the fabrics and she would cut the molds out of these magazines that I ended up in afterwards. <laughs> it was quite, it was, yes, yes, I was very fashionable. You know, it's obvious, it's actually evident when you look at the photos we've seen of you over the years, you know, in magazines, when we Google you, things like that, you know, it's evident that Avador has always been, you know, a woman of fashion. And it just goes to show that, you know, this thing, you can't just jump into it, you guys, you know, there is definitely a lifelong love for it that goes into it. Because if you don't have a love for it going into it, people can see you're just doing it as a job. You know, and you tend to not get the gigs if you're just doing this to get a paycheck because people can see right through that, you know. This is true. Yeah. Avadora Mimoni does it out of a passion for it, out of a love for it. And it's evident when you see her work, you know, by far. Now, here's one for you, okay, when looking at your story. I know you've had a close working relationship with Ivan Camacho, okay, of Absolute Modern. And I'm wondering how that relationship has evolved and what it's like for you in your business to work so closely with her. It was quite an experience. Um, I, I tell you this. I met Yvonne as a friend, and she was very supportive, and she tried to put the bags out there as she thought fit. But then I saw things going in a different direction. And through a certain period of my life, I was going through a hard time. I was divorcing my husband. And um, I became um, very ill. Um, and I needed a couple of procedures done. And we were in the middle of negotiating um, to get the handbags made. Um, I'm so glad you asked me this question because I always wanted to say this uh, out in public. Go for it. And... Um, we were going back and forth, and COVID started. We launched a collection. Yvonne had, had uh, you know, 
worked with this with this uh, foundation, and we we presented the collection, and we're working with a few other people. At that particular show, I became acquainted with some of the people I was working with. And as I'm presenting my handbags, which are made by me, I started to notice that there was a distance between the people who were walking for me and the communication between them and Yvonne started to become a bit, it was something off that was not correct. Because I was so isolated, I it, it was almost like I pretty much made the bags and showed up and I was the public name. And I started to see this person come through. She was in more pictures than me. She was, it, it was almost like a taking over type of thing. And, and I started to feel a bit uncomfortable. I had this, this sixth sense. I felt very uneasy about it. Then I became ill and I had to have surgery. Um, and I started to see people through colors, um, through this last deal that we were working with where people were in the office and they were listening to certain conversations. And those conversations were not in my favor. And I'm the one who was making the bags. And I heard this through the actual people who were um, the future sponsors and the future um, people that I was going to be working with to produce this certain line of bags for Brigdoff's Goodman. And uh, I felt very, very uneasy and and, and I, I stepped back from that. Then I decided to leave the city. Um, so at that time, I, I I needed to distance myself, but I did not know how to go about to say, hey, listen, this is what people are saying about you. This is what you're doing behind my back. I'm not comfortable with it. Maybe it was my mistake. I should have confronted this person at the time. It was when she started to get involved with a project that I had with Prestige Shop Model that had nothing to do with her. So Prestige Shop Model, the connection was made by Mark Gunter from, from LA, um, very good friend of mine. I've done a lot of modeling work for him. And he's had me as a guest to launch my collection in his show in New York City. He's out of LA. He's a wonderful friend. Um, and he's the one who connected me to Sherry. And uh, I found it very strange that she was emailing her back and forth without my permission. And that to me was when, hold on a second. This is just, is just, I have lost control of pretty much who was walking for me, who was promoting me, who was in front of the cameras, then ended up started to become more that person, which was Yvonne, than myself, which I am the designer, and my designs. Okay. I, I had invited her to walk for me, to walk with me at the end because she had been such a supportive person. And we were on a sales basis, on a commission basis. I always fulfilled that part of the, of the deal when he was a gig through her. But when it was my side of the deal and it was my gigs that had nothing to do with her, I would have wished she would have not emailed people. I still have copies of the emails and all of that stuff. I had never given her permission to do such things. And, um, uh, that's when I had to say, you know what? This is, this is just, you've, 
you've crossed a boundaries and I need just to terminate this relationship. It was really difficult. I was very emotional. I was shocked. I loved her like my sister. Um, and uh, it was a really difficult time. And then COVID hit um, and I just went silent. Yeah, I can imagine that must have been, you know, a difficult decision for you, an emotional decision for you, you know, and then going into this global health emergency we had, you know, I mean, so many lives were changed during that time, you know, and you're coming off the heels of this difficult decision you made to end this long time working relationship, you know, but that is a good lead in to a question I've asked everybody since I think maybe season two or three of this show. And that is, what was Avador Mamoni doing to stay productive during the global health emergency? Well, I I worked on myself, which I think it was the most important thing to work on. I worked on myself and I did therapy as I left my relationship with her and with my ex. Um, it, it was complicated. He was an Orthodox Jewish gentleman. I'm a Catholic person. And, um, it was, it was quite challenging for me for the first year, but I, I, I stuck around and I worked on myself. I designed, I regained some connections back. I was able to clear my name. Um, I didn't realize that all this damage had been done to my name behind my back. I was portrayed as a monster, as a difficult person to work with. And until today, you can see that some of my relationships have lasted years since 2018, 2019. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I just prefer to, and, and I'm, let me go back to what I was saying earlier. I'm not here to bet talk about, I'm not here to bet talk anyone. This is just the facts of the situation. I'm not here to put anybody down. Um, if she speaks to me, I speak to, to Yvonne. I have nothing against her. Um, but there was a lot of complications, um, in terms of social media. There was a lot of people who disliked her. We had been bombarded with negative feedback. People were pulling away. Something was off and I could feel it. You can feel it. Sixth sense. It's your business. It's your handbags. It's, it's the love of your life right there. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I had to do a lot of self work and that's what I did. And you've done well. You know, with the progress you've made since that time, Avadora, you know, it's evident when we see you out there doing your thing, you know, that a lot has happened since and a lot has come up in your favor since that time, you know. So actually, there's a good one for you. You know, looking back on the career you've had so far and the work you've done everywhere you've been around the world, I mean, a lot's happened in a short time for you. With all the work that you have done, Avadora, do you ever run across a campaign or a magazine story and say, hey, I have no memory of doing this, you know, or I don't remember. Every, yes. <laughs> are there any periods in your career where you draw a blank? All the time. 
Okay, let's go more it's, into that. It's so interesting because I am not a person who buys the magazine she's in. I don't. I don't care about that. I. This is my brand. This is my job. I enjoy what I do. I enjoy the expression of it. Do I keep track of all of it? No. Sometimes I come across stuff on Google, and I come across stuff on social media. I just found out the other day I was on the cover of a book that was published in 2016 for fashion fashion world event i don't remember and i was shocked i was like oh my gosh i'm on the cover of this book well i didn't even know so we i just came across that it's some things that another thing that i don't do also is google myself i don't know if people why people google what they google but i don't google myself i don't like to google people um because not everything that's on google is a fact or true, and we tend to create judgment of others that way. If I am doing research about an, a, a topic or something like that, and someone comes across it, but when I meet someone, I tend not to Google them. It's it's definitely not something I refer to because it can be a fact or it can be fiction. Certainly, you know. I mean, anything you read online, particularly on social media, things like that, or Twitter which is also social media. But the point being is that you got to take a lot of things you read with a grain of salt. Yeah, this is true. And I think, you know what I think? That a lot of people as the audience are out there thinking that social media is a person's life. This is not correct. No. So here's what happens with social media. If you're representing a product or a brand, you're going to position it a certain way. But this is not the person's actual true life. You don't get to know me by social media at all. You don't get to know me who I am or or what I like and what I like and what I do and who am I as a woman. You don't get to know through social media or through Google. You get to know by asking me the questions or coming up to me or speaking to me. But of course, on social media, we're going to just put that forward because that's what we're selling. That's just the product. This is, this is the actual, um, actual product that people are engaging in. That's true. That's true, you know. Now, speaking of products that we're engaging in, y'all, in case you don't realize what you're locked in with right now, this is, in fact, the Chop Session. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. This is Boston Free Radio. We are here with Avadora Mimuni for our season four finale here this week. Having a dope conversation so far, y'all, in case you're just locking in now. And if you are, I will say this, in case you sleep on an episode of The Chop Session or you happen to lock in late for a premiere on Boston Free Radio, say less, we got you. You can stream episodes from seasons one through four on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other fine digital streaming platforms. And we'll have more at the end of this broadcast about what to expect for season five this fall of the award-winning Chop Session. We are here right now with Avadora Mimuni, and we have another question for you right now. Are there any particular shoots that hold more importance than others for you and hold a special place in your heart? You know, to be honest with you, I enjoy them all. I never really had... I've had ex- experiences that were a bit uncomfortable. This is why as a model, you never go alone anywhere. But I was very fortunate never to get into trouble. Um, when we shot 
it was kind of like a very empowering moment when I shot 2016, the cover of uh, Fashion Avenue News by Sophia Davis. It was her, uh, I think her fifth anniversary. I haven't, anyone's, um, it was just, we had a 12 page spread in it and it was very memorable. And, uh, uh, but all shoots have been wonderful. I mean, actually leaving to New York City on the 26th to photograph, a huge campaign for a couturier um, and uh, new covers of magazines are coming out. So my modeling career is still ongoing, although there was a little pause during uh, COVID. But uh, I th- I th- I've enjoyed a lot of my, when I did Roberto's skin, um, he's now in Italy um, with, with Thomas Heavens. That was a very nice shoot. Uh, I mean, I photographed, I, I forget how many times I've been photographed and by who most of the times. But yeah, this it's been very memorable, all of it. It's been very empowering. I'd imagine so. You know, I mean, especially the, considering the fact that you're still at it and you're headed out soon for more shoots. Looking forward to seeing how that turns out for you. You know, absolutely. Now, I want to know from your perspective, you know, working in fashion, working in modeling, who is doing work or taking risks right now that you find exciting? Who is doing work and taking risks? Yeah. Who, who in today's fashion scene are you vibing with the most? You know, who do you think is doing the best work right now? Who are you taking a look at right now? Who's got your attention? Who's got my attention? To be honest with you, I'm kind of like a person very, I'm a loner. I don't watch television and I'm not on social media unless I'm posting something. So to be honest with you, I didn't even know today was a holiday. I'm yeah. I I don't I don't really follow things or names. It's just not something I do. That happens a lot, I tend to find in our industry. You'll find people that either have inspirations they can go on about for days or people that just kind of live in their own bubble unto themselves and just kind of focus on their own work. I'm focused on my work. I'm an entrepreneur, so I own various businesses. Um, and those businesses consume quite a bit of my time. And that's why I had to reconsider some of the stores I had to to kind of go online only which is less contact with humans, which is probably not a good idea, but at the same time it is because it's easier for me time-wise. Um, I have more time to produce. I have more time to sell. I have more time to post online, more time to work on the dot-coms, etc. But in terms of everything else, to be honest, I haven't watched cable and I haven't watched news or anything like that in years. So I, I don't really follow things. You know, actually, it's funny that you uh, mentioned, you know, not following things and kind of staying in your own kind of realm, you know, because as I get to know your story over the last few months, that kind of thing, it was evident to me that you focus a lot on building up your own portfolio and building up your own situation based on the work you put in. And this is especially evident when you take a look at the shops that you have out there, which are now online only. You know, but we haven't even touched upon that yet, actually. Let's talk more about some of the businesses that Abbott Dorbin Moni holds down out there and what they're all about. So I'm a porcelain lover, so we do have an eBay store for that. Um, 
um, the Avador Mimuni Atelier. We have, um, we have that online and we have the handbags online through Avadora Mimuni, um, dot Etsy.com. But we're going to go be going on Instagram, um, all around because it's just much easier to navigate through Instagram, uh, once we launch collection in September 9th, um, in New York Fashion Week. Uh, and the bags will be available online, whatever's left from Fashion Week, because we usually tend to sell out a collection and a few items left. Uh, but pretty much the collections sell out. So there's not a lot of handbags out there being sold to the public. So those are two stores online that we have at the moment. And I can tell y'all this collection is serious. Okay. I've seen it in person and y'all will find something, you know, you'll love within this collection. So much cool stuff, you know, so much that you can add to your home and go, oh my God, like, uh, you know, Avadora really hooked me up. You know, for real, y'all. Well, this this collection is the Azores collection. This is where I was born, the Azores Islands, like I stated before. Mm -hmm. And the collection is a resort collection. I never have done a resort collection before. I'm always very high glamour, high fashion, haute couture, uh, handbags. But this time it's a, it's a sparkly, but not as sparkly as usual. Um, but it's it's um, the Azores collection. It's resort resort wear. The bags are hand-woven wicker. Um, they were produced in ballet. The bases are produced out of the country. And then we embellish them in our atelier, which is now closed to the public. We no longer see the public in our atelier because it was a big distraction. And it's, it took a lot of time. And it was it just didn't work for me. So, The thrill of the hunt, too, is another thing. But I know Avadora Mimuni gets off on. And uh, I've seen you at it. <laughs> you know, when you go out there, you know, hunting down new pickups, you know, new items that you can, you know, share with the masses, that kind of thing. What's been the most thrilling discovery you've made so far out there in the wild? Well, it varies on what you're talking about. I mean, I've discovered beautiful things like um, I know exactly what's worth and what's what's worth on, on an item, the item value. I know I'm very good at porcelain. I've been doing this since I was a child. Um, so I've discovered teacups that I purchased for $2, sold them for $495. I've discovered um, pins, uh, custom jewelry pins. Uh, Juliana pins are worth a lot of money, and I purchased them for very little. So I have a very good eye for thrifting. I'm very savvy with that. Um, it's a big part of my life. It's very relaxing for me. And uh, and then I list and I make a profit out of it. I just really, it's almost like an escape from my other businesses that are more demanding. And I have to deal with people's personalities. So this one, I don't so much. I can imagine, you know, I mean, just from the fact that you make these great discoveries and you share them with the public and they have something new that they never thought they needed in their lives, you know, it's got to be thrilling, you know, just to be able to give people that opportunity, you know, and you being a collector yourself who flips items, that kind of stuff, you know, certainly I can understand that whole vibe for sure, you know, and now I guess that comes to the next question I have, which is with all that you do, you know, modeling, fashion, designing. And of course, you know, selling antiques, that kind of stuff. Which of those hustles you have in your life, you know, which of those hustles, you know, is the most important one for you? Which one is the most fulfilling for you? All of them. Nice. All of them. So I, if I'm bored with this one, I go to this one. If I'm bored with this one, I go to this one. 
If I'm bored with this one, I go to this one. So there's a balance. It's never too much of one thing. I break it up in such a fashion that I'm never bored, that I'm always enjoying what I'm doing and I'm fully focused. This is true. You know, your focus is sharp on all of this, for no, no doubt about it. Now, next question is, what advice would you give on becoming a model or a designer? Well, here's here's what I tell people. Um, this is definitely not an easy, these are not easy careers to have if you don't have any schooling, if you didn't go to design school, because when you go to design school, you got that background, the connections, you're already creating your items and all of that. It's, 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 it's a lot more difficult to become a designer without having that stepping stone. Although my stepping stone was the modeling, I'm more worried about the models. I'm worried about People going on these assignments, people getting requested online, getting reached online by these model agencies, by these companies, be very, very cautious. You need to make sure who you're working with is legit. This is number one. You got to have a good attorney and you got to have a good support system. If you are on your own, just make sure you do your homework. There's a lot of human trafficking. There's a lot of prostitution. And you end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. And like you hear all the time, uh, women who are looking for modeling gigs and they go on these shoots, beautiful women, and they never return. And some guys too, not as much the man because it's more predominant women in this, in this industry. Just be very, very cautious. Um, uh, just make sure you have a good support system. You got to, you know, no doubt about it. You got to have that for sure. Now, I understand that Abadora in the next few months will be out and about, in particular, at New York Fashion Week, which is very, very New cool. New York Fashion Week, yeah. That's right, in September. You know, so what can folks expect at New York Fashion Week from Abadora Mimoni? So September 9th. At um, Prestige Shop Model, Avador Mimuni Collection will present the Azores Collection, which is the resort wear, and we'll have uh, um, uh, some models um, that are from the Azores, and we'll have models from all walks of life, uh, which we inspire diversity. We have male models, female models. We have all kinds of models. We just don't have a specific certain person that wears our handbags. So we like to reach people and uh, and their beautiful qualities, unique qualities, and ages, sizes, genders, um, ethnicities. We don't we don't we don't exclude anyone. Um, disabilities. We we are a very inclusive brand. So we're looking forward to this show. It's gonna be really epic and and it's gonna be a nice a nice enjoyment for for us. Certainly okay. one of the most progressive brands in fashion today is the Avadora brand for sure. When you take a look at who models for you and who you present with and that kind of thing, you know, it's evident to anyone who's paying attention that you're one of the most inclusive in the industry today. Well, I'm, I'm very inclusive because I make the bags for people. I don't make the bags for 5'11", size zero uh, people. I make bags for whoever wants to purchase them, regardless of who they are. So we are very inclusive in terms of, of everything. We don't discriminate. So I don't think, I don't think I have any time or room for that in my, in my, in my world. Um, I like people to feel comfortable wearing our product and um, and to be 
to be to know that and we present that in our social media. So if if our casting director is casting people, she runs it through me and uh, and we are very inclusive. Yeah, that you are. No question about it. You know, by the way, y'all, in case you are wondering how you can find Abadora Mimuni, you know, on social media, you know, Instagram, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Abadora Mimuni is evident everywhere on those platforms. Also, you have a couple of other social media platforms I understand you can share with us? Well, we have the dot coms, avadoramimunicollection.com and avadoramimuni.com. Um, it's everywhere, pretty much. I usually don't Google people, but you can Google me and there it is. Absolutely, y'all. Folks, I can say it right now, Avadora Mimoni is doing it big. She's doing it worldwide and you can see her work in person at New York Fashion Week in September more to come on social media about Avador's involvement in New York Fashion Week. It'll be a dope situation if you're into fashion. You definitely want to pull up to see what she has going on with this new collection at New York Fashion Week in September. And, of course, this is also when we're back with the chop session, but more on that in a few. But that being said, Avadora has been fabulous this week talking with you here on the chop session. We appreciate you making the time this week to be on with us for our season finale. You know, And we look forward to this New York Fashion Week presentation and all you do coming up. Well, I want to thank you, Sterling Golden, and the CHOP session for having me and giving me this opportunity to voice my feelings. And and thank you so much for having me. And we appreciate you, no doubt. More in a few, y'all, about what's to come in Season 5 for the CHOP session in September. So keep it locked right here on Boston Free Radio. Hey, y'all, once again, big love to Avadora Mimuni for pulling up for this week for our season finale of the CHOP session. Big appreciation for Avadora, and it was a blast talking to her this week to close out season four, talking all things, her work in the industry, her handcrafted purses, one of one pieces, by the way, you guys, and her upcoming New York Fashion Week event in September. More details to come on social media for that. And of course, keep an eye out for anything that Avadora is up to out there in this world because she is worth the follow, y'all. I tell you that. Anyway, y'all, that is a wrap for season four of the Chop Session as we now make our break for the summer season. We want to take this time out right now to once again thank all y'all for that support of the Chop Session. Y'all have been fabulous. Listeners, subscribers, all y'all, since season one in 2019, y'all have been the best. We appreciate you locking in each and every week for every conversation we've had thus far in this series with every dope guest we've had. And we look forward to bringing you more of that compelling conversation with the names you need to know now in season five of our award-winning series, The Chop Session, starting Monday, September 19th. 6 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Monday is going forward to the end of the year on Boston Free Radio. So check back in with us Monday, September the 19th, as we kick off the fall season 
of the chop session, y'all. More to come, I assure you. Till then, in case you've ever slept on an episode of our series or ever checked in late for a premiere on Boston Free Radio, say less, we got you. You can stream episodes from seasons one through four on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other fine DSPs. Stream the archive now of The Chop Session. If you've ever slept on any episode, we got you, okay? Check in with us. Anyway, you can follow The Chop Session on social media at Chop Session Show on Instagram or The Chop Session on Twitter. And of course, your man, the indefinable Sterling Golden, is ever-present on social media at DJ Sterling Golden on Instagram and at DJ Sterling Golden with one G on Twitter. Could not fit two Gs in the handle. Hey, too many characters. It's been that way since day one. Maybe under the new ownership, we can get more characters in the handles and I can fit both G's in finally. And I'll no longer be DJ Sterling Golden on Twitter, you know? Anyway, y'all, that is a wrap. Have a fabulous summer season. Make some dope memories. As a matter of fact, the ones you don't remember may be the dopest ones of all, if you know what I mean, y'all. But stay safe out there and make it the best summer season y'all can with your loved ones, your families, and anybody else you fuck with out there. Have a fabulous summer, y'all. And we'll see you Monday, September 19th for more of The Chop Session. Now, more than ever, we need to talk. This is The Chop Session. I am your man, the indefinable Sterling Golden, and I say stop.